Normally, when we kick off a new show, I ask Vardy a question. The question is, how are you tonight, Vardy? Today, I would like to give you a two-pack of questions. How are you tonight, Vardy? And what the f*** is going on with our team? Wow. Coming out spitting that French. I'm okay. I'm, I'm trying to keep perspective here and keep reminding myself that still a long way to go. And this is probably a little bit closer to what we really expected, I think. Maybe not to this level, but I just mean the overall picture of the the, the team's record rather than the Maybe. fire wagon that okay, they were. Okay, that makes more sense because I was about to jump in aggressively. <laughs> you are no. ready. You are ready to pounce no, today, that's is, for sure. I was not expecting an L5 for this team to hang an L5 on us at this point of the year against these opponents. Yeah, no, I'm not. Not overly thrilled about it. And, and we'll get into what's going on and why it's going on because, you know, we know, obviously. Yeah. Who else would? We got all the, yeah. We have all, all the, answers. the answers. Don't worry, guys. By the end of this podcast, all your confusion will be gone. Probably not. But anyway, um, yeah, five in a row the Kings have lost. And obviously, the intro. Two in overtime or a shootout, you know. Dude, fine. The, fine. Hey, points are points. We can sure if you want to, you know, have a two-zero lead on Detroit, allow three, scramble to tie, and then losing the shootout. If you want a silver lining, of that go back, Mama. I'm with you, buddy. No worries. Or similarly with the Oilers, have a two-zero lead. Yeah. And then. Yeah, you know, you know the boys have that game circled. That's all I heard. You, the boys have yeah. that one marked down. So I think the last. I think the last. It's been a while, holiday breaks and such. So I believe the the last game that we had covered was the the second Seattle game where they lost two one. So since then they have played seven games. Started it off nice enough. One on the twenty third against Calgary five three. One again on the twenty seventh against San Jose. Thank God. <laughs> you never know, but thank God they won five one against San Jose. And I was like, okay, here we go. Nice little, you know, get back into the scheme of things, get into Vegas, let's do this, right? I just Not wanted, great before against you continue, Vegas. Yeah, yeah please, you continue, please. Back-to-back home wins, yes. which were very important yes. for the overall mental health of the fans in Los Angeles who right. repeatedly paid to, to see this team at home. Um so important to to be Calgary division. San Jose is still in the division, but you know it's San Jose. I right. think you know anything other than a regulation win would be concerning there. Um, and the theme here is that the Kings played a lot of division games. I think going into the Vegas game, it was their sixth straight game mm-hmm. within the Pacific Division. And I did cut you off on that Vegas game. Before you continue, I do want to say that Vegas was absolutely limping into that game. Oh, horribly. And has amazingly lost limped against... out of the game. So right. <laughs> it's the only game that they actually had any kind of strut in whatsoever. I mean, the night before, they got mollywopped by the Ducks, I think, 5-2. So they were playing on the on the tail end of a back-to-back, just like the Kings were. And, yeah, they just... It was... And and that's really where it sank down again. That's that's the L one of the L five that you were speaking of was that Vegas loss, which 
I mean, credit to Vegas, man. They they played a very sound defensive game. They they basically isolated the Kings to the to the perimeter. And frankly, I wasn't even sure if we would get two goals in that game, but uh but they somehow managed to, but it was it was too little too late by that point. Um you know, Mike Amadio throwing one at us. Yeah. Part of the revenge tour. Tis the season um, of revenge. That's right. That's that's indeed right. And I think the one the one thing that kind of started in Vegas that ends up being a little bit of a theme for me through these next five losses, beyond the uh the heavy perimeter presence of the Kings, because they kept getting kind of pushed out, pushed out, not really being allowed into the slot was Mistakes leading directly to goals. I think in that uh, in that Vegas game, I'm struggling to remember now because it was a while back, but I seem to remember a play where England just pinched wrong, and that's what led to the two on one, where Amadio ends up scoring. It was it was all these little plays. The Eichel goal on that one, you see a rare missed coverage by Kopitar, leaving Eichel wide open on the on the face off dot immediately goal. And so I think whereas in October, November, maybe these mistakes were not ending up in our net, or maybe the Kings were scoring enough to kind of override them, make you forget that they happened because ultimately the game ended up okay. I think the theme that's sadly developed over the last five losses has been one of two things. One, the Kings not being able to outscore their problems. And two, the problems almost immediately ending up in their net. Like zero room for error, honestly. Whether you want to call that bad luck, whether you want to call that bad structure, whether you call that regression to the mean, I'm not really sure, but it's all kind of happening at once. And it's happening at a really tough time because now they're on this six-game road trip, I think. And this Capitals team was probably the easiest team that they're going to play. So it's not it's not not a, not a very rosy outlook for me as as the boys head off to, you know, eastern confines here. And I don't blame you because Florida is a juggernaut all of a sudden. Carolina's yeah. found their game. Yep. Dallas is, you know, going to be there in the end no matter what. Detroit just beat us. And mm-hmm. speaking of Detroit and I I don't want to gloss over the Edmonton game too much, but the Edmonton game is another scenario where Todd McClellan has mentioned this now. It's like we couldn't get that third one. Right. He kept saying we couldn't get that third one. So the Vegas and Edmonton games, you get the third one, you're going to win because they all they both go to um, extra well, the time. Vegas when we lost, uh, the Vegas when we lost uh, 3-2. Oh, it's regulation. That's right. That's yes, right. yes, but, yes. But whoever got that third one was going to win the game, essentially. Yes. The Oilers game goes to uh, shootout where the Kings basically were done immediately. Um, I thought the Oilers game, man, look, you you get that team down the way you got them in the first period. The shots were very lopsided. Chances were right. lopsided. Like, two goals is nothing. It's nothing against that team. And you you know this firsthand if you're the Kings. You're, you know that's not enough. And seemingly from the second period on, the Oilers just took the middle of the ice away, just like every other team has taken the middle of the ice away from the Kings. And as soon mm-hmm. as these... Teams take that away from the Kings. You're just seeing, I think, what you called hope shots. Just mm-hmm. shots from the outside. You're hoping 
someone gets a stick on it, maybe you're hoping there's a rebound, you're hoping it's just not with the proper purpose or with a proper read, you know, proactively shooting, knowing something's going to be there. It's hoping something's going to be there. And I see that honestly in this, in this five game losing streak, that's what I see the most is like a lot of hopes and prayers being mm-hmm. launched at the net. Now, granted they get, look, they, if you probably pull up the uh, expected goal share for all of these games, all five, I would say, probably outside the Toronto game. Um, the Toronto yeah. game was a dud. So four of the five, I I would expect to see, and I haven't looked, but I would be I would expect to see the Kings have uh, the majority of the expected goal share in these games. But it doesn't matter at this point because it's not right. it's not working at this point. So something had to change, has to change. Uh, going to the Red Wings game, something did change in the form of every single line except, well, I was going to say except line four, but even that changed because Kaliev was inserted into the game after watching the Toronto game. And he was on the fourth line. So essentially every line was different. And we've kind of called for that to happen a little bit, specifically with one player. Um, but Todd went for all of them. and. I don't know, mixed results, I would say. The the Kempe, Dubois, Laferriere line was clearly the best line on the ice against Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. They were probably dangerous every single time they were on. And the other two still, I don't know, if I'm being honest. Fiala's line, look, any line Kevin Fiala's on with Phil Denome is probably going to drive play. So, I, you know, I haven't looked at the exact numbers, but they certainly generated chances with the eye test. That one play where Denome was alone with uh Alex Lyon and just right you know would <laughs> shot into I mean, his glove so to speak yeah uh, and that's not a knock that's just you know Phil's and, and there was there was a Trevor couple Moore. chances like that there was a couple yeah. chances yeah. like that in De- against they sprung Detroit more, and, right too they sprung right. more on a breakaway on that first right. line too right so I mean it's I thought that game and and we were kind of you know, texting back and forth as we do. And we were just kind of like, you know, if you really think about it, this is a much better balance across the three lines. This yeah. is much, this is much closer to that kind of like dream scenario that was pitched to us of a three lines balanced all the way through because every line was dangerous. We have, we've long said that that line with PL Dubois, Laferriere, and whoever the third person had been up until Kempe going on there was just not suited to keep up with what the other two lines were doing. It was clearly a third line. They were getting third line minutes. They were getting 13, 14 a night. They really were, you know, it was kind of like the win some clock kind of kind of line, you know. And then you when you insert Kempe in there, you swap around Kaliev and you kind of go with duos on each line, if you will. Right. Every line, the, one, two. The one, right. Two on although the top line. line would still have three Yes. Three high scoring players on it between Kopitar, Byfield, and now Moore instead of Kempe. That was a much better balance to our eye than what the previous scenario was. And you could see the response immediately between PL Dubois and Kempe and and Kempe getting two goals and PL driving the middle of the ice. I mean, it was it was exactly what you were looking to see again in the first period. I don't know what is going on 
with the Kings in the second period. I have no idea. I have, they just, they just seem to come out and like sleepwalk through it and then try to scramble back and get into it in the third or the other team figures them out or finds a way to just keep pushing them off to the perimeter and just letting the defensemen have all these shots because again, they're just, they're, they're hopes. They're not really like, they're not really dedicated shots that are designed to generate much. And that's not really how the Kings have been scoring up until this point. If you look at how they've been scoring these games where they've had four or five goals, it's all been very purposeful, drive the slot, you know, nice passing plays, second chance opportunities, even the goals today against Washington. I mean, Fiala's goal, the first one was a, a entry, drop pass to Deneau, and then picking up on the rebound right there in front in the slot. The second goal was a good forecheck by Byfield, Fiala with a heady play, coming out from behind the goal line, tucking it in, technically a power play goal, but that could have happened five on five and you wouldn't have, you know, that's, that's, there was nothing power play about that goal. In fact, they kind of lost that face off. So, I mean, it, it's, it's just confusing. It's confusing how they change so quickly because to me, it doesn't seem like when I'm watching these games that the defense is really changing their approach at all. It's almost as if the Kings seem to back off a little bit, if you will. They, 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 the intent isn't there anymore. The aggression to kind of get to the middle of the ice and make these entries just isn't there anymore. I can't honestly say that I have seen a team where I'm watching them in the first period make such a drastic change in how they're playing. Like, oh, they're standing them up at the line a bit more. Oh, they've, you know, they switch now. They're lining up three. They're doing a one, one, three or something like that. Like it, there's no change taking place except that the team just suddenly seems to not be able to do what they were doing in the previous period. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really see tactical. Yeah. There is no tactical changes. If anything, it's a change in intensity and urgency. Yes. yes. It's the only thing I can. And even that, you know, it's not like, the other teams waiting for the Kings not to be urgent so they could push like the other teams pushing and these things are just kind of happening. And Todd McClellan has pointed out to individual errors. And I think that's the biggest thing, man, with this team right now, right. which is some of them are glaring. We'll talk about a couple of those in this game. And some of them are just little things like after you lose a face off, like, where are you going? Mm -hmm. Right. He's Todd's mentioned like a couple of face off plays that have cost the Kings games against Vegas, against Edmonton. Um, and even today against uh, Washington. Priority draw, right? A minute left in the game, they lose it and they start kind of scrambling around. And and here's the one problem. With this line shift is that you, you're up or no, it's a tie game with a minute left, and you want to know on the ice, so you throw to know Fiala and Kaliev over the boards in a situation where you need to win a draw and get out of your zone. Right. And I don't know if in the three-three game, I don't know if that's a defensive posture you want to you're thinking about, but man, like in that situation, I, I wouldn't mind a little line scramble of like, hey, there's a minute left, let's just try to get out of our zone. And put three guys, and I'm not blaming Fiala or, or Kaliev at all on that play because I couldn't exactly. There was a series of errors on that, um, but I can tell you that it's okay to not throw the same line over the ice with a minute left when you know your two wingers on that line aren't exactly 
shutdown type guys. So just little things I've noticed, like the glaring errors. Um, we've had so many of those from Fiala this season at this point that he turns around and plays like his best game of the season against right. Washington. Um, but but the errors from today's game, the glaring ones, are two of them. Are Dubois, Pizza up the middle, and then Talbot's whiff on what should have been, in my opinion, a routine save. Mm-hmm. And that's the ball game right there. Right. I think the Kings, you you remove those two errors, the Kings win going away probably. Because Washington yeah, I mean, you didn't even, have much going all game. Yeah, you can even, in my mind, you can even throw in the two-on-one that kind of resulted. Uh, there was like a switch, basically. I think uh, England came down and Moore was going to pick up the guy and it just quite didn't catch it. The Nick Dowd goal, basically. Yeah. The two-on-one that went back yeah. the other way. Again, Two-on-ones happen, three-on-twos happen, odd-man rushes happen, but I'm struggling to think of very many other chances like that in that game, right? Like, that's that's the two-on-one, that's a goal. The the Dubois turnover to the two-on-0, five feet in front of Talbot's net, goal. You know, like, it's just, you can't even be like, they were on their heels, it was one mistake after another after another, Maybe the last shift, the game-winning goal, you can say like scrambly, multiple things had to go wrong for that puck to go in. But they end up in that scenario because I think, and this is frustrating. I can I can see that from the frustration from a fan's point of view. I can't even imagine from a coaching staff and a, and a player's point of view when you're kind of looking at your game and going, man, we're not playing badly. Right. We're, like we're controlling the pace of this game. We're hitting posts, you know, we're getting power play chances. They got a power play goal. They got a Kempe power play goal off a of one-timer. I can't remember the last time they had one of those. Like everything up until that second period is going exactly how you want it to go. And then you have one error end up directly in your net and you can't help again. The doubts start creeping in and you're just like, come on, man, Really? Like, really, this is going to happen again? But then you take the lead. And then you take the lead again. And then that should be a reset, man. That should, like, you take the lead, you need to reset. Right. And again, I think they did. It's just an unfortunate. Talbot's got to save it. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's it's well defended. The entry was fine. It was a two on two. It was a low percentage shot. And he just whiffed on it. Yeah. And. And Again, those, we, those we, are the plays that are right now, man. Those are the plays that are costing this team. I get it. The Dubois turnover, dude. I can't remember. I can't All remember. Right, PL check having... in. PL check in. Okay, PL check in directly <laughs> PL to the PL check in. Right. Okay, good. Um, I think he's played better. The the that that line with him and Kempe on, he looked like a completely different player. The the drive was there. The setup was there. Him and him and Juice were were really playing well off of each other. I think Laferriere had a great game that night too. He knew exactly what his role was. He he set up Kempe beautifully for that net front goal. I mean, again, we were having visions of like, oh, maybe, oh, this is, oh, this is interesting. Maybe this is this is what we were looking for. You know, maybe Pitbull had it right the whole time. Pitbull knows. <laughs> Pitbull knows. Um but it's just so drastically different between that game and this. And I, I'm 
still struggling to see that consistency from him. I think it's been better, but still not what you want and expect him to be. And look, man, I'm, I don't think you're going to find anyone amongst the Kings podcast crowd who is as vehemently upset and vocal about that trade than us. I mean, you can go back and listen to those episodes and you'll, you'll hear it. But the fact of the matter is, this is this is a this is guys on on our team. He's here for the duration. He's here for eight years, and no amount of being angry or upset or questioning that trade is going to change that. The only way out is through. That's that's pure and simple. So some people were kind of questioning, like, man, was it worth it to change all those things up to try and get him going? Yeah. You have to, you have to, because he's an important player. Whatever the reasons might be that you're not getting the results out of him, you have to figure out a way to make that happen because look, Kopitar's line is going to have off nights. Fiala is going to have off nights. That's why you brought this guy on and it's important to get him going. And it, it pains me to see games like tonight. I don't I don't take any hap there's no happiness in that. I don't watch that and go told you so. Like that there's no there's no hope in doing told told you so means nothing at this point. But if I'm being absolutely fair, I haven't seen him make a play like that, like a like a real egregious man, what are you doing kind of turnover. Probably all season, definitely not in the offensive zone like that. So I can't in my head be like this yeah, guy PL, again. PL you know? being TPL. Yeah, yeah like it, that's not PL being PL to me, man. You want to get angry about like effort on the other end of the ice and now he held up whatever. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. I've seen that. I still see that from time to time. I don't like it, but I see that. But this kind of play, this like, because he, the, the interesting thing is he broke up the initial play. He Absolutely. came back. He, he yeah. broke up. He like he prevents a scoring chance, and then just for whatever reason, in that moment, he decides that he's going to try to give a backhand pass to Gavrikov instead of taking a couple more strides or even just taking an icing. Man, honestly, like that. That if you or were just ch- gassed, yeah. then just Chip whatever. He had yeah. the lane on the boards. He could yeah, have just absolutely, forced it out. absolutely. There's, there's he did. So there. it's it's a bad read. It's a bad read. It's a bad play, bro. Like there's yeah. nothing but. At the same time, like this, like there is an obsession with shitting on Dubois right now from the Kings fan base. It's like, it's, it's sick. Like there's like a disease, like, yeah, he, it was his fault, dude. But I, I actually tweeted, I was on the Twitter today and I tweeted that, yeah, it was his mistake. But if you watch the play, it's never just one mistake in hockey. Spoilers. It's Dude, never, rarely, never just, yeah. Rarely does one guy cough it up, and because of that error, it's in the net. Now, yeah, again, I will repeat this. It's on Dubois that play. But if you watch the play, Gavrikov and Clark, who are 
the last line of defense, essentially, are both going up ice. Now, Gavrikov is at least supporting the puck, right? He's on the strong side. PL sees him. He's like, this is the play I'm going to make. Brian Clark, who we love, is hauling ass up the ice on the weak side where he is not an option. So what he's already thinking is like, okay, this is going to go to Gavrikov. Then it's going to go to me and I'm gone. Right. Like he's thinking two plays ahead, which is what Brian Clark is. We said, hey, don't get mad at Brian Clark for not being perfect defensively. We said that. So I'm not. All I did was literally point out, yeah, this is on PL, but you, as a player, no matter how old you are, whatever, you got to recognize that if something goes wrong here, anything goes wrong, we're screwed because there's no one behind Dubois. Dubois is the last guy. Between Talbot and Dubois, there are no kings, no right. other kings. And it's a bad play, and it turns into a 2 on 0 And all, all I pointed out, was that Brian Clark needs to recognize that he needs to slide back. Gavrikov's already supporting the puck a little high for his usual posture. Just don't haul ass up the ice and it won't be a 2 on Oh, Maybe you get a chance to stop it. I'm not excusing the turnover. But the sheer amount of dumping on Dubois at this moment, it's like they're waiting for the Kings to lose so that they could go back to this. And and it's I'm, I'm tired of... I'm at the point where anytime I write anything positive or we write anything positive about Dubois, there's someone just literally waiting to take a giant, giant shit on it because we have to be mad forever. Yeah. We were mad. Like, we were mad. But it's over. Like, how long are we going to do this? Right. Right. And that's, that's yeah, like, I do I have moments where, like, I see Jets highlights and I see Velarde score a net front goal on the power play and I... You know, grind my teeth for 10 seconds. Yeah. But again, there's no scenario. Okay. Maybe in some weird multiverse there is, but in this universe that we live in, this is the guy who's on your team. He's on your team for the next eight years. I know some cosmic GM geniuses will tell me, aha, but his no trade clause doesn't kick in until July. I'm like, okay, guys, like, come on, please stop with the nonsense. You know, I'll, I'll put it to you this way tomorrow, tomorrow. Rob Blake, Luke Robitaille, Todd McClellan, Trent Yanni could all get fired. Pierre-Luc Dubois would still be on this team, no matter who comes in. That's It's just a reality. It's just a reality. So just like we tweeted and said, accept Brent Clark for what he is and you'll be much happier. I'm at that point where I'm looking at this and going, hey man, the team needs everyone to be at their best right now. And me getting angrier about this scenario does not change the fact that this dude is here for the next eight years and he needs to be the absolute best version of himself that he can be. So if 90% of that turnover and goal is on P.L. Dubois, that is fine. And we will say that. And everyone who has watched that game will 100% say that. Just like we will shit on Fiala when he makes a terrible turnover. And then I will turn around and tweet about, like, look at him go. Look at him back checking. Look at the stick lifts. Look at the turnovers that he creates, the penalties that he draws. So that's all it is. And yeah, it's a good learning. I don't understand why it's bad for you to point out that, hey, maybe Brent Clark learned something on this play. Because if I was a defensive coach, as soon as they came back, it's not my job to get on PL Dubois, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm 
My job is to help with the defense. You know what I'm doing? I'm going right into his ear and going, okay, what did you see on that play? What do you think happened? Tell me from your perspective what happened. And I'm going to tell him straight up, like, as a defenseman, you need to be the last person coming up. That's it. You shouldn't be racing ahead of the puck carrier who's a center. If your partner is already closer to that puck, you racing out trying to like get ahead of them is not the play. You wait. You just wait. That's it. So I, 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 I got your point, but I also understand what you're saying that people want to take that 90% and not even be able to observe the other 10% of what, what happened on that play. No, yeah. I, and, I, and the overall theme is like the Kings aren't winning or losing because of PL Dubois. Right. Period. Maybe some games like he'll play well and you'll be like, hey, you know, he really drove the bus today and the Kings got the win. But I haven't seen a single loss where he's been on the ice for every goal. He's turned over the puck four or five times. Like that's the vibe I'm getting. And it's it's just it's bordering on insanity at this point. It's like how Dude, how had, often Yeah, go ahead. He had what I would consider one of his top two to three games against Detroit. And Absolutely. they still lost. And yep. they still lost. Yeah. I didn't I mean, hear so... anyone dragging anyone else through the shit through during that game after that right. game. Right. Anyway, it this is that's just a personal thing. Here's my overall thing um with the what's been happening. If if it's mostly individual errors, and I think it has been, honestly, like right. one or two just brain fart things or missed coverages or whatever. The good news is that's all in theory correctable. It's not a systematic breakdown. It's not like whatever they were doing before just simply isn't working. I think it still work I think it still can work. I think the way the Kings play can st still work. Do teams now have a better understanding of how the Kings attack? Yes. And I think you're seeing that. I think the Kings are having trouble getting high danger chances. Not the case against Washington. They had four goalposts. But in mm -hmm. in the whole as a whole, they're having a harder time getting to the middle of the ice and getting those good looks. But it's still there. The, the formula still will work if they just clean some of these things up. I truly believe that. And that's it. I'm not, it's not good, right? And I, you know, the intro I said what's happening to the team. It was kind of in jest because we like to have our intros be very entertaining. <laughs> but no, and I think it's, they're just sliding. And I, I really think it's a matter of the law of averages, right? In the beginning of the season, they were playing above right. what the average suggests. Now they're playing below. The real team is somewhere in between. Right. They're I not going to score that. six, seven goals a game. But they're also not going to lose five in a row or like seven out of 10 or whatever the hell it is. I think they'll they'll find a good middle ground at some point. I think they'll settle it down, clean up some of those mistakes, those individual errors. And I think you'll be in a lot of games. And as long as you're in a lot of games, you have the skill to break through and win those games. And I really think yeah. from here on out, the Kings are going to have to win tight games. Here's That's one thing that's hasn't really happened this season. Mm-hmm is like the Kings finding themselves in a difficult situation and finding a way to win. You could right. point to the Columbus comeback, sure. But, you know, that was kind of an anomaly game where 
you knew the team was better than what they were showing and they had to scramble to score four. I'm not talking right. about that. I'm talking about a heavyweight fight where you're going back and forth and you find a way to land the final blow to win. Just haven't seen that yeah. a whole lot. Haven't seen yeah, that. I mean, if, if you look at these losses, right? One goal loss against the Caps today. One goal loss against Detroit. One goal loss against Edmonton. One goal loss against Vegas. So of these five losses, excusing the Toronto 3-0, which even then, honestly, if you look at the if you look at the numbers, it's the numbers still support that the Kings should have been able to score a goal. But again, the revenge tour is alive and well, and Martin Jones was, you know, notoriously. Uh, good against the Kings, so call it what you will. Um, but yeah, four out of the five losses, one goal. Yep. You know, it's... Again, I think it's unreasonable to expect Trevor Moore to score a goal every night. I think it's unreasonable to expect Grundstrom to score 20 goals in a season. And that's the kind of things that we were getting. The defense has not, I think Matt Roy's goal was the first one since, I thought, I think I read somewhere Gavrikov had one on December 9th or something. So Sounds Matt right. Roy's goal, Matt Roy, <laughs> like, you know, Drew Daddy is not scoring the way he was at the beginning of the season. Jordan Spence is playing well, getting assists, but the goals have not come. And so if the defense is all that's getting the shots, if, if the opposing team is basically letting your defense and all these perimeter shots be the ones that come on net. You got to make them. You got to make them count. You have to keep them honest about that because if they just look at this and you know they're doing this, you know the the coaching staff on the other end is going. Their defense doesn't score. Their defense has scored two goals in the last month and a half. What's the approach going to be? Let the defense have all the shots they want. These guys don't score goals. It's very simple. Not just that, having trouble getting through, having trouble being exactly, in general, exactly, which, which is probably what led to the Clark call up. I, you know, ex of course we're excited. We, you know, since the beginning of time, we've been very high on Brent Clark <laughs> and kind of awaiting his arrival. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I really expected an immediate impact from him. And, you know, and and you saw it today. Like he, there were situations where McClellan pulled him from Gavrikov and went back to Roy and Gavrikov. Uh, Clark only played with Gavrikov in this game. So it's not like mm. it was a switch. It was just like, hey, you're you're with Gavrikov, but in these specific game management moments, we're going to go kind of back to Gavrikov-Roy. I do think he has the capability to change some of that. I think he, from the line, he can really get the puck through. He can, he can change the look on the power play, change the point of attack on a shot. He's very shifty and clever that way. So he, you know, I think if he gets more games... You will kind of see at least a little bit of bump in that shots getting through, maybe even a goal or two, whatever the case. Um, but overall, I mean, I thought he played fine other than that one. Again, no one is going to talk about it because everyone's going to talk about the, the turnover by Dubois. But I did not like the way he was going up ice. Again, that's his game. But that's a little too – he's thinking two steps ahead. He's, in his mind, envisioning a backhand pass – and then mm -hmm. another backhand pass. Another backhand pass, right? To him, so he can go up. Like, you got to make the safe play. So I'd like him to clean that up a little bit, understand the way this team plays. Yes, this team is a potent offense in theory, but they're still going to always want to take care of their own end first and get out of the get out of the zone together. And Daryl Evans brought it up in the post game too. Like, you can't fly the zone 
right like that before the puck it's, it's simple it's very simple and i'm sure he'll figure it out and i'm sure he'll clean it up but overall i thought he was fine i hope he gets into more games i i don't know if i hope it's at the expense of jordan spence but i understand i guess i don't know yeah i mean that's the to me, that's the logical swap because it's the player that's most similar to his style and it keeps the the handedness scenario. Although, if you go back to McClellan's comments uh, when they called Clark up, he said that at some point it was bound to happen that they're going to have a righty-righty pairing, yeah. which to me implies that there will be a point where uh, Clark and, uh, and Spence will be in the lineup together. I don't know for who because um, I think England is a very unique player in terms of what he brings to the lineup and the team has shown that they benefit from having a guy like that in the lineup um so we'll see i i felt like he was he played fine i think that there was points where i was watching him and i got the sense that he was being hesitant or deferring or not wanting to make a mistake he was playing like a kid who's playing his first nhl game in a season you know like yeah he didn't want to he didn't want to screw up that's the sense I got. Like there was a couple times where he had the puck on the blue line and I was like, okay, he can make something happen here. But he just deferred. He made the safer play, which is fine, which is totally fine. He doesn't want to be, you know, shooting himself in the foot right away and, and costing the team something. But there was a couple chances he had. He had one really nice cross seam pass that I saw um, that, again, just shows you like, oh, there's that vision. There's the ability. So... Hopefully, like you said, more games in there whenever they may come and it'll it'll come along fine. I'm not worried about that at all, honestly. You mentioned the Kings power play. Uh, they got two today. Right. Were they two for two? I forget if they got um, Well, the Fiala one and then the Kempe one. Uh, two for three, I think. Okay, two for three. Kings currently third best power play on the road in the NHL. 28.6%. Make it make sense. On the road. At home, 12.1%, fourth worst in the NHL. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how to, don't know how to it, make it, sense it of that. It defies one, explanation. But, it defies explanation. But that is, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible numbers right there. Yeah. So, uh, six game road trip, at least, you know, the power play should be, should be operating at almost. 30 percent apparently so that's a good sign and i mean they're gonna need it man they're gonna need it they are they are and like i said you know a month or two ago whatever the case you looked at the schedule i wouldn't be afraid to play any of these teams tampa has been up and down florida's been good Mm -hmm. now but i would you know the kings already have a w on florida at home right detroit doesn't scare anyone really they're a good team carolina Again, all games, there's no reason the Kings should be not be within striking distance in any of these games. At worst, if they just play the right way, if they just clean up mm-hmm. some of these errors. So that's where I'm at, man. I could look, it's frustrating. I'm frustrated. But I also see and I've watched the team enough to know that what's happening on the ice right now is just as unsustainable as what was happening when the Kings were scoring five, six goals a game and limiting teams to zero or one a game. That's reality in the NHL. So I'm Unless optimistic. Unless you're the Vancouver Canucks, apparently. Well, yeah. You're going to shoot 
eighteen percent versus apparently, and get and then get a point nine three save percentage the whole way through. Go figure. Yeah, yeah, but no. If I mean again, if you look at the Kings PDO, it's exactly at a hundred right now, which basically implies that they were playing above the not expected level basically but the good teams are able to maintain that level across the course of a season they're able to maintain a level above 100 on their PDO. especially if you have a good goaltender like that's yeah yeah that's going to boost that number always to have that save right. percentage um and you tweeted out their expected goals or their goals right. above expected was only minus negative seven yeah. it's negative but like it's not, not it's not much. drastically right yeah, yeah so it's not drastically like they're they're kind of still overall scoring on their on their chances right. for the most part. Right. Their goal differential is a plus thirty one. If you recall last season, it took until like March for them to get a positive goal differential. I mean, it's it's a slide. That's what it is. It's a slide. It came around December just like we knew it would. They're they're not the only team going through it. We Vegas. Stanley Cup champion Vegas, who came out screaming this season, also on a very similar slide. Um, the only team they managed to beat during that slide so far appears to be us. And it's just ebb and flow, right? Like, ultimately... Yeah, uh, Carolina is a great Carolina. example. They were, yeah. they were sputtering. Um, and now they're on... I think they had five straight wins. They, they recently lost, but they were... They were not looking too good. Edmonton. Right. Books might be written about this Edmonton season. After <laughs> completely floundering out of the gate, they won 15 of their last 18 games. Mm-hmm. So their lull happened earlier. I suppose. But I, I agree. Right. I think it's one of those just peaks and valley kind of thing. But how low is the valley and how high are the peaks? <laughs> the Florida. Florida has won seven in a row. I mean, you know, they're... Their record is 25, 12, and 2. They were a very modest 18, 12, and 2 prior to winning seven in a row. You know, like it's just, it's, this is what happens. And unfortunately for them, they're kind of sputtering at a time when they're about to go play some teams that maybe aren't as in bad a shape. Yeah. You know, Carolina. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so I don't know. They, they lost the game that's, Probably would have been the easiest one of this trip, all due respect to the other teams. But now we get to see them try to pull it together against Tampa, who, again, is back and forth. They're pretty good at home. Their record at home is 11-5-3. Vasilevsky's yeah. back. And Kucherov. Healthy. Nikita Kucherov. Kucherov is, is having yeah. an MVP season. Yeah. Legit. He's... Is he not leading the league in points at the moment? Uh, he's he's back and forth. He's He's up there for sure. Um, they're good teams. They're going to play some good teams, and I hope that they find a way to kind of get some points out of this trip because that would be troublesome if they come back from this trip and their record is one in seven or, or one in six or whatever it is. Then, then that's a that's a regardless of how they're playing, the numbers are the numbers, and that that becomes a huge point of concern when. Edmonton and Seattle are coming off of seven win and six win streaks, respectively. Right. You know, 
that's that's when you're going to get into trouble territory, even though you have games on hand on the people ahead of you. Kucherov, 67 points, leads the league. He's second in goals yeah. with 28. So he's playing well. He's doing okay. I don't know. Any other any other things that have kind of come to mind for you regarding the team's play? Or any salient points you have to kind of make sense of all this? Um, Not really. I mean... I would play Clark where Arvison was on the power play. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my salient point, I guess. I, don't I mean, know. it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. I, I tweeted out that I thought one of the biggest things that the power play was lacking was right-hand shots oh, down yeah, low. Oh, yeah, that's, that's been so clear since day one. Yeah. So clear, especially when your trigger man's on the other side of the ice, as right. we've said many right. times. And you got a good guy in the bumper, no matter who it is. It's someone who can score. Um but yeah, I mean, they'll never do it, and I'm, I'm you know, kind of half kidding. But at the same time, I can't think of anyone else that could play that position better. He can shoot from there if he wants. He can, clearly a tremendous passer. Um, mm-hmm. I bet you he would love it. <laughs> you put me in, coach. I bet you he would love it. Yeah. 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 The more Kopitar Byfield line, I just feel like they're not there yet. Like it's like yeah. a second off, a foot off with more. And it's going to take time. Like, I, I truly, when coaches say that, they're not just, it's not fluff. It does take a second for guys to adjust a little bit. I think Fiala, Dano, Kaliev, who or whoever, hopefully it's Kaliev. He, you know, he responded to his benching or sitting in the press box, which is nice. Not to worry about that line, but hopefully that first line can click a little bit. And then, like you said, we'll have, the Kings will have actually three lines that are really hard to match up against which was the entire idea of this whole thing the trade yeah was that yeah, i think three, late roll those three lines with without thinking twice yeah i think late in today's game they uh they switched more and kempe they had kempe go back to that line with oh yeah with so they had, and they byfield with Dubois, yeah. right so we'll see if that's uh if that's kind of a desperation thing or Sad if that turns PL into the new <laughs> yeah oh man i don't know i don't know it's that was a tough one today any anytime you get one of those last minute dumb regulation goals it's it's gonna sting but that was especially tough especially you were down one you came back you led twice yeah to get really, nothing out of that that's the I, I'm not saying it would have been great to go to overtime and lose, but to get nothing out of the game right. really hurts right. at this point. So, yeah. The beauty of January is they get to do it again real quick all the time. Oh, man. So many games. So many games in January. I, I don't know if I've ever seen... I have to look into the travel time and stuff, and I'm sure the fact that it's on MLK has something to do with it, but I don't know if I've ever seen a Carolina-Dallas back-to-back it's not like, I mean, that's a legit flight, you know, like. Yeah, that is interesting. I guess the only, I don't know, the only positive you could pull out of that is that Carolina game's at noon. So. That's what I mean, because it's a holiday. Yeah, it's, it's a on holiday. MLK, so, so. I'm just thinking about the travel. Maybe they just hop on yeah. immediately and get to Dallas as soon as possible. I guess. So they have a full day in Dallas, at least. Um, But yeah. 
strange. Interesting, but interesting again, way to end such a long road trip. Yeah, but also the beginning of the schedule was also odd and yeah. nonsensical. So here's your balance, I guess. Yep. Uh, Phoenix Copley. Phoenix Copley said, sad for him. That might be it, man. That might be it. That's the LA King. Yeah, yeah that's, you know, that might be it. Man. Period. Yeah, I know. Period. I mean, I'm not saying like his career is over, but it's going to be awfully hard to to sign a contract now coming off season-ending surgery and not really establishing his game this season either. So you're probably looking at maybe a PTO situation, mm-hmm. even if it's an AHL. I don't know. Maybe someone signs in for AHL play and he gets a call-up at some point. But for a guy who was already – before before the Kings called him up last season, already kind of considered a career AHLer. You know, to have this happen to him as soon as he becomes a full time AHLer is just right. tough, man. Feel for the guy. <clears throat> but I mean, from a Kings perspective, and I don't mean to sound callous for the from the Kings perspective, I don't think the Kings really. What's the drop off, really? Right? Like, I, I don't think Riddick has been. Has he been bad? I wouldn't say so. I don't know if I could pin maybe the first Detroit goal. I would appreciate <laughs> a blocker there or something. Would would like a shootout save at some point, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what the draw, I can't really say for sure. There's a huge drop off in and all this. So besides, the Kings signed Aaron Dell, so everything's okay. Everything's okay, Aaron Dell. Yeah, yeah, I and. I mean, I suppose, you know, some foresight on their part to even have Riddick and to convince Riddick to take a deal like that and be okay playing AHL games. And because otherwise, I mean, what would they be doing right now? Right. Like if you didn't have they'd Riddick, be signing you'd be tra- Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell. Yeah, exactly. To be your exactly. NHL backup. Yeah. Which is, which is not a situation you want to find yourself in, especially when you have got 39 year old Cam Talbot as your, as your starter. And who knows when He's not the wheels might. I don't know how old he is. <laughs> don't age him up. Sorry. It's, it's bad enough as it is. My no, bad. My bad. Sorry, Cam. He's All right. 36. Sorry. <laughs> he wears 39, whatever. That's right. <laughs> um, anyway, the point is that they're very fortunate to have Dave Verdick right now. And and who knows? Maybe maybe Phoenix Copley gets a AHL deal with Ontario. The familiarity keeps him around to be the veteran guy down there and splitting time with Portillo. We'll see. But hopefully he's a good Thank guy, man. He's, he's sure. a good guy. You can't disregard how much he helped the team last season. Quite frankly, his play was enough to get them into the playoffs. So good for him. And him and Will Ferrell have a little special relationship near the glass. So, you know, just wishing good things for him. That's all we can say. Yeah, Cam Talbot All Star, thirty nine years old. There you go. <laughs> Cam Talbot, right, right, age of sixty two, All Star. Good for him. Well deserved. Good for him. And well deserved. Really just, I don't think anyone had a crystal ball on that one. That's just, it's incredible. I mean, it is only going to drive home the point <laughs> that goalies are voodoo, and right. you should never throw right. Seven years or seven million or whatever 
at a goaltender. I mean, never is a, a strong word. I'm sure it'll. I mean, truthfully, the only reason Jonathan Quick isn't an all star is because Igor Shosturkin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if we're being right. honest here <laughs> right right um oh man but i will say connor hellebuck hell of a goalie he, he's earning his money right now because i don't think the winnipeg jets have allowed more than two goals in a game in like their last eight if not more i have to double check this but they are currently the best team in the NHL. So as a as a many years long Winnipeg truther, are you finally like <laughs> is this is this your moment <laughs> when you I look mean, at no, them playing this the well? Kings are L5. Go, That's right. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. But um the last time oh man, the last time Winnipeg allowed three goals or more was December 18th against Montreal. Before that, it was November 30th against Edmonton. So between November 30th and today, only in two games have they have they allowed more than two goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'll win your hockey games. That'll do it, especially if your offense is putting up five goals whenever they get a chance. And that's what they're doing. 26 wins, nine losses, four OT losses, 56 points, the best record in hockey. Better than New York, better than Boston. Yeah, better than Vancouver. Let's see. I was going to say they played more games, but not, not no, much. they really haven't. Their points not percentage is. Yeah. Yeah. No, their points percentage is stellar. 8 0 2 in their last 10. They're on a six game winning streak. Their goal differential is plus, plus 38. I think what's also interesting is if you look at their home and away split, home is 13 5 and 2. Away is 13, 4, and 2. So they're getting it get done. Oh, yeah. No matter where they're playing. Bowls allowed 94. The only team in the <laughs> NHL with less. Can you guess? Us? Yep. We've played less games, though, but LA, for what it's worth. Three games yeah. less have allowed. Kings have allowed 91. Jets have allowed 94. Yeah. Panthers have allowed 99. Everyone else is north of 100. Yeah. Ebbs and flows, man. Ebbs and flows. I mean, that's all you can really say. And they're doing that without Kyle Connor. I mean, that's that's really the impressive part. And really, like the Velarde Ehlers Shifley line has kind of been quiet the last week, but they're still finding goals. Cole Perfetti's finding goals. The right. Lowry line, like they're just them boys finding goals. Nino Niederreiter is finding goals. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then and I gotta check gotta and see. With, I mean, how much you gotta deal with Hellebook after all right. that. Deep team, man. Deep team. And they've and they have been deep. They've had more or less the similar roster, aside from some tweaks here and there, for many, many seasons, and it just hasn't really come together until more recently. You know, they've got they got Josh Morrissey on the back end. I mean, they got talent where it matters. They've got it in every position. So we didn't mention Edmonton briefly. Yes. But they're uh they're coming and no signs of slowing down. Like I said, they won their uh 15 and 3 in their last 18 games. Mm-hmm. That's good in case you needed me to <laughs> verbalize that. 
their goal differential is only plus 18, but again, the ebbs and flows of a the season. They now trail the Kings by five points, and they've played the same number of games as the Kings. So if you got if you're pucker puckering up your sphincter, you're not alone. Yeah. Kings fans, because they're yeah, it's I would look at the West right now and I would say fair chance that they're gonna make the playoffs. Fair, dude. I, I mean, ain't I mean, no I'm way just... ain't no way they're not passing St. Louis. Is it St. Yeah. Louis? Yeah, basically, because Nashville's Nashville's fourth in the central. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I expect that they're gonna pass Nashville and, and at the very least the get the Abs- yeah. first wild card. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Nashville's played four more games. Right. Uh so it looks like they've already passed Nashville because of games played. They're tied in points, but games played. Uh Oh, excuse me, they've passed St. Louis, not Nashville. Mm-hmm. They placed they passed St. Louis because of games played. They have four games behind. They're four games behind Nashville and only four points behind. So yeah, they're gonna pass them first wild card. Not my concern. My concern is they don't get to the top three and they are within yeah. striking distance yeah, yeah, yeah. of a team that right now is going through it. The Kings are going through it right now. Yeah, this this road trip could could really really shape a lot. I mean, if they if they come back from this road trip, the Kings. I mean, they come back from this road trip and they don't get some points out of it. It can really set them back. It could it could undo a lot of their hot start that they had in October, November. Uh, I mean, in case you're curious about the teams the Oilers are playing while the Kings are on this road gosh. trip, Chicago on Tuesday, mm. Detroit on Thursday. Montreal on Saturday. You gotta get points, man. That's I don't three know. wins, I don't know. bro. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. That's what I mean, I'm Chicago's saying. got more guys on the IR than they do on their roster. Yeah. And then and then hold on for the rest of January, just to make it better. Um they get they go into Toronto, or excuse me, uh they're home against Toronto, which I'm sure will be an exciting, fun seven six game. After that, they have Seattle, Calgary, Columbus, Chicago, Nashville. Easy peasy. They're going to sweep I mean, January. So, they so. <laughs> worst case, I'm going worst case here. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the Kings got to they got to win games. They got to win. Gotta win they got to win games. I don't. There's no other way around that. Yeah. That's a nice look around the league there. Sure. Uh, we did not talk about Toby Bjornfoot. Oh, yeah. Put on waivers. Toby. Put on waivers. Picked up by Vegas. Days. So, clearly, he went through quite a few things. Someone took him. Right. But Vegas, in the 11th hour, said not so fast. I... So... It's hard to, it's hard to be overly upset. I I get the and look I was the one who threw this out there about like the 2019 draft picks and yeah please um, dive into and it what more. has resulted from that it, it's part sad and part like it's part bad and part bad luck yes and it's also part 
good performance by the team because two seasons ago or three now I have to remember but three seasons ago Toby Bjornfoot made the team outright and all you were hearing was how he was mature beyond his years and was going to play this game yeah, and Drew you know he wanted all... to play with him right other... like you heard all this stuff and it has just gone less and less and less and the team has gotten better and better and better to the point now where there is no room to put this guy on the roster and the coaching staff feels that for where they would be playing him it is better served giving that time to a guy like Andreas Englund who fits a mold that they don't have anywhere else on the team so that's the bad luck aspect of things for him and also the good performance aspect of the team i think in my mind that they have progressed way more rapidly the team has progressed way more rapidly and been way more successful over the last three years than i think the the front office expected and that has forced them now to make these difficult decisions and to risk losing players like this because the development curve right now of the NHL and the timeline of the NHL doesn't care for your, you know, oh, defensemen take five years to be what they are. Like the waiver wire is the waiver wire. We lost Sammy Fagimo earlier in the year. And I don't I don't believe that the Kings wanted to lose Bjornfoot. They did not want to lose Fagimo, clearly, because they picked him right back up the first chance they had. And now he's scoring every game multiple times just <laughs> trying to get back into the nhl and what and what do you see it's the same problem the where are you, okay you bring sammy figimo up let's say because he's just won't stop scoring goals down there and he's proven all he can at the ahl level this season where are you going to play that guy yeah same with clark you have to take yeah. out a good player for just to exactly clark in the lineup exactly and and so they were in this position and I think the rest of the league kind of looks at that and knows it, right? Where they don't want to trade Bjornfoot. They don't want to lose Bjornfoot. The ideal scenario is you sneak him through waivers and you get him down there and you still are able to play him and keep developing him because next season, who knows? So when people get upset about like asset management and losing this and that, I try to remind myself that we were just as upset about like Kale Clegg being lost for nothing and then he became nothing you know so i get it i get the idea of asset management and i'm not saying the kings are great with that but i don't think that this is a scenario of man i can't believe we lost him for nothing they didn't want to lose him at all they wanted to get him down in ontario and the only way they could do that was to put him through waivers they wanted to keep this guy they wanted to keep developing him they wanted to capitalize on the development that they had already put in but they find themselves now with a log jam in the roster and nowhere to play these guys i don't know what the solution is i understand the team not wanting to lose these guys and i also think that at some point you're going to have to find a way to play sammy Fagimo. you're going to have to find a way to bring him up and put him in this roster so that's that's where i'm at with it i'm not like lamenting the loss of Toby Bjornfoot it's not gonna keep me awake at night 
I'm sure he's going to end up being just fine wherever he ends up. But it's them's the breaks in a lot of ways. I feel the same way. I've been, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of as fans we get into this prospect worship a lot. Yeah, where you look at a prospect and you're like, he could be anything, you know, like he could be. <laughs> it could even be a boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I hate, forget Mikey Anderson. We have Bjorn Food. He could be anything. He could even be Mikey Anderson. <laughs> We're all guilty of it, and and yeah, make a point of Clegg, and you could go further back, like all those trades Dean Lombardi made, right? Those deadline deals, those those big ticket players he got, and the prospects he gave for them. And at the time, everyone was pulling their hair out for Roland McEwen and Valentin Zikov, and you know, all these guys that did nothing, that absolutely did nothing. In fact, if you look at Lombardi's track record, I'm going a little off here, but like. The young players he gave up outside of Bradichin and Simmons for that first trade really didn't become anything. Jack Johnson kind of never reached his potential. And you could go right. on and on. Patrick O'Sullivan never reached his potential. And it's a long list of guys that at the time we were just like, how could you do that? Right. Maybe not for the richest trade, but a lot of like, oh, man, this guy, it's, it's, it hurts. And they just didn't become anything. You look at the Lucic trade. Look at the Lucic trade. Right. In the grand scheme of things, outside of possibly selecting Kyle Connor, possibly, or Barzell, whatever, in right. that first round, what did the kid really like? Colin Miller, Martin Jones, who had like three good seasons with San Jose and then completely fell off a cliff. That's all I'm saying. Like it, it sucks, but it doesn't suck that much. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. For, for every Wayne Simmons that you gave up knowing that this dude was going to be something, you've got the Valentin Zikoffs of the world. And again, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the hardest part for me is when I look at that draft as a whole and I look at those, those top three rounds and the picks that were made. Yeah, honestly, not a look, good draft. Have you seen, look through the entire it, draft? It's not great. It's not, it's a, not great a good draft. draft I mean, that's the, that's the, Capo Capo draft, right? Like he went second. Am I thinking of the right one or am I? I forget. So, no, now, but... it's, the, it's, the, it's the Hughes Byram. Oh, okay. 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 Yes. It's, it is hard, man. So I tried. I tried to look at like, okay, well, who else could they have had for Toby Bjornfoot that like really would make me go, it, really, like you got to go into There's the second much. round, I think. Yeah. And I think it's just when you look at that, you go, okay, man, that really sucks. Because Turcotte was a top five pick. Every, every, every draft ranking had him as a top five player. And when he has been healthy, I have seen him play games that I've been like, that's a top five player talent. That that The tenacity, the skill is there. But his health has just held him back so horrifically. And then Bjornfoot was a 22. Kalia was a 33, I forget. But... And then Vigimo later traded up at the 50th spot and Lukas Parik. So well, I think when you... I think you're missing someone. Weren't those the, the top think, three rounds? Are you looking strictly at the top three rounds? I could have sworn this yeah, is yeah, Jordan yeah. Spence. 
Spencer's a later round pick. I think. Yes, round four. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay, got it. So I was just looking at the top three rounds. Yeah. Okay. So yes, all due respect, they got they got Jordan Spence. That's great. That was not who they were planning to get, right? Like the guys that they were planning to hit on were gonna be were gonna be these guys. And I think it's just sucks because the Kings have struggled to develop star players from the draft in the last decade, basically, since their since the cup years, Adrian Kempe would probably be the only one that's like developed and stayed a king. You're seeing Gabe Velarde now becoming that guy, Quentin Byfield becoming that guy, hopefully Brant Clark becoming that guy. But you would hope that someone from your 2019 draft by now would be a lineup staple, like guaranteed go for it kind of guy five years out. And so far, Spence... And Kaliev are the closest thing you've got. And Kaliev's getting scratched or alternating between playing on the third and fourth line. Spence is getting alternated in and out with Brent Clark. Turcotte's hurt and probably is never going to have the career, if at all, that he was intended to. Fagimo, we can't find a spot for him. We lost him once, we got him back. And Bjornfoot, we lost him again. So I think when you just look at that, you just kind of go, my God. Like, I think that's... That's yeah, coming off a season tough. where you were really bad. Yes, yes. And you had the second, like, second worst record. That yeah. should be a draft that you look back at and go, we rebuilt because of this draft. And to look at that and to look at the fruits of your labor and be like, what do we have here? Yeah. You know, I think that's the part that sucks. And that's fair. Happy trails, Toby. Best of luck to you. Happy trails. Maybe we'll get you back on the next time. <laughs> Who knows? That's right. That's right. Yeah, that is don't right. clear waivers then, buddy. Go straight to no. That's right. Play with Sammy. Uh, <laughs> All right. What are, uh, what are we at? This is episode 112. Are we at that point of the episode? I think so. Yeah. I think we did Kopitar last time, so. Yeah. All right. So there are Oh boy. How many players is this? Uh, 32 who have worn the number 12. Sure. Um, all right. Here we go. There we go. Rapid, rapid fire as many as we can. All right. Go for uh, it. Trevor Moore. Yes. Marion Gaberick. Perfect. Kevin Todd. Wow. Jumping all over. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not say he's going to be in any order. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Carson. Yes. Um, Essa Pierness. Yes. Wow. Pat, okay. Patrick O'Sullivan. Yes. Um, some names one? between Patio and and Gabby. Uh, including a Stanley Cup winner. Oh, Simon Gagne. Yes, of course. There it is. Uh, is there any between Gabrick and Moore? Uh, no. Great. No. Makes me happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. As a as a lifetime Marion Gabrick mark, I'm glad they waited for <laughs> for someone worthy to take the twelve. Oh, <laughs> uh, guess yeah, having trouble after that. If I'm being honest, I'm sure it'll come to me as we go. But am I missing like someone very important that um I should have something? I wouldn't say very for? important, but a name that oh, like oh oh, there's a Volpat. <laughs> There has to be a Volpat. There is a Volpat. 
Thank you. Roman. Roman was the Vopat. Roman Vopat. Roman was the Vopat that they gave me. <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> sorry, you were saying there's a very... There's a name there that like... Very obviously, and this is like a number that he wore through his career, but his career was not really so much with us. Gotcha. Can you give me the years or is that going to just be... Uh, I don't think it would spoil. Uh, I want to say 99. 99? Mm-hmm. Speaking of draft stock and who they would be and what they would be. Wow. I don't got it. Oli Okunen. That's right. That's right. He was 21 and then switched to 12 and then 12 kind of mm -hmm. ended up being a lot of what he wore the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Um, Good one. I'll give you the ones in between Patio and Simon Gagne. Uh, Andre Loktianov. And... Mm, that's right. He was 48 then he switched to 12 when he made the team. That's right. Sure. That's right. Okay. And then uh, Randy Jones, 2010. Ah, uh, yes. Good old Randy Jones. Mm-hmm. Former whipping boy. So then you had Patio, you had Pyrenees, and then you got a couple names between Volpat, Jokinen, and Pyrenees. So 2000 to 2003, you got a couple. Okay. Uh, I'd like to think on that for a second. Sure. You had Kevin Todd, you had Jimmy Carson, and so before Carson is your other era at this point, 89 and 92. Wheelhouse for you, baby. Yeah, that is my wheelhouse. But I've, I'm probably going to struggle with it because I suspect it's a marginal talent. <laughs> uh, I don't got it, man. So you could just fire him off. I'm not, it's not coming to uh, me. Well, I okay. feel like I should know, but I don't. That's fine. Which ones do you want me to fire off? Uh, just the from most recent. Okay. So uh, Pyrenees, Ken Belanger, 2002, 2003. Marco Tuomainen. Oh, man. Ah. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> that's right. Um, I realize that's not the uh, appropriate Obi-Wan line. Bear with me. It's like 11 o'clock. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Jimmy, so Volpat, Kevin Todd, Jimmy Carson, uh, 89 and 92. Sylvain Couturier. Okay. 89 and 92. Okay. Played a whopping 33 games, I think. Third. Oh, okay. Um. Do you want to give it a go any in the 80s or just kind of... Are you telling me I should give it a go in the 80s because there's someone that's hitting you that I should know? No. Is that what's happening? Great. Carry well, maybe one or two, but more so in the 70s, I would say. Ugh. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Craig Duncanson in nope, 98. Not going to happen. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Morris Lukowicz in okay. 86, 87. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I apologize. Maybe You're going to correct me. Paul so. Gouet? You say G-U-A-Y? Paul? <laughs> oh, Paul. And the, and the last name is G-U-A-Y? G-U-A-Y. G-U-A-Y. Oh, it's actually right. gay. It is actually it gay? Is. Okay, yeah, that's what I figured. Gay. It's Paul Gay. All right, there you go. Yeah, Paul Gay. Okay. I remember, only reason I know this <laughs> is because one of the old King's VHSs I had 
uh-huh. had this really nice goal with with Gay and Sykes, and Bob mm. Miller just kept saying, "The Sykes to Gay, to Sykes to Gay, to Sykes to Gay." <laughs> anyway, we're a lot of passing oh, there. Yeah. All right, Carl Mokas Carl Mokasak in 1985, Steve Kristoff, 84, Dean Hopkins, 80 to 83, Hartland Monahan. Hartland now I, Monahan. God damn. Okay, go on. In 78. This is the one I thought you would have in 74 to 78. Gene Carr. Ah, 74 to 78. Rest in peace, Gene Carr. I'm sorry. Sorry, Gene. Gene. Kiss to the sky. We failed. Failed you. <laughs> failed you in death um, too, goddamn. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Peters in 1973, Brian Carlin 1972, Mike Byers 1972. Again, the 70s when the Kings only had 12 numbers Great, that they yeah. would allow anyone to wear. Good uh, Larry Mickey in 71, Gary Monahan in 1970. So they've had two Monahans. Sean Monahan trade deadline. Let's go. Come on, baby. Can't you have can pay Trevor Moore for the number. <laughs> uh, Skip Craig. In 1970, uh, yes. great name, Dennis Hextall in 1970, and then the man, the myth, the legend who has worn, I'm pretty sure, a different number as well. <laughs> Indeed, he has. He's worn, good lord, the man has worn three numbers with his damn team. <laughs> Gord Labossier appears once again. Welcome back. Labos is back. Labos is back. And he's still got one more number that he wore at some point. <laughs> so we've covered oh, him as number nine and covered him as it's number 12. So far it is, as far as I can tell. Uh, Brian Smith in 68. And then the first number 12 was Brian Campbell, not Soupy Campbell. <laughs> although really not. they probably called him that at that time. That's where it all started. So that's it. That's it. Them's the 12s. Gabby? I mean, it's got to be, right? It's got to be. It's I mean, I was be. gonna say he's won the cup, but Ghani won the cup. But he did he really win the did cup? Did he really? Like, did he really though? He played in the like Marion Gabrick had bit. fourteen goals. Yeah, in the yeah. postseason, and like, the clutchiest of the clutch. Not the just, clutchy. Oh, the man just monstrous in that run. It's got to be Gabrick. I, I, I give it to me. As, like Jimmy Carson scored fifty-five goals, but he did not do it wearing the number twelve. So it's got it's got to be Trevor Moore. It's got to be. I hope you dethrone on the yes. next go around. I hope you do. At I hope you do. <laughs> but as like I said, as as a huge Gabarik mark, as I have made abundantly clear, how rare is it to have your favorite player get traded to your favorite team, and then have that player win a cup, and yeah. be a very substantial contributor to that cup run? It's Gabby's. Led the playoffs in as far goals. as I'm concerned. That's there you go. That's what, that's what happened there. The man, the man right there. God, it was a good time. Take me back. Was, uh, <laughs> Take me back. The glory days. <laughs> All right, get it together, uh, Kings. We need to fuel things again. Come on. That's right. That's right. We've done two sad, crit- critical podcasts. We're ready for a little upswing, a little happier tune. You know what happened? We flew. We flew too close to the sun. We flew too close to the sun. That's what happened. That's what it was. And here we are, back in the darkness yet again. All right. Thank you all for sticking with us. Welcome to a happy, happy new year. And please like, subscribe, drop those reviews, keep the Twitter interaction coming. Again, let's keep it civil. Let's keep discussing things. 
let's try to focus on some positives here because shitting on PL ain't going to make things any better for anyone. All right. It's especially not me. Yeah. Or Vardy who are usually running. I'm just, I, I'm just tired. <laughs> I really am. It doesn't make anything better. It just, it just makes me tired. That's all it is. All right. Go Kings go. Until next time. Yeah.